Welcome back to the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, per usual, Lucas Shu. No guest with us today, just me and myself talking into the abyss. Uh, not a lot of a lot of NFL news going on. Maybe the Redskins changing their name to the Washington Football Team, but besides that, not a lot of news going on in the NFL world. Uh, so we're just gonna get into it and talk about teams who I believe will take a step forward and improve on their 2019 record, and teams who will take a step backwards and get worse than their 2019 record showed. Uh, we're just going to dive right into it. We're going to talk about the first team who I believe is going to improve. It's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys last year, they finished the uh, 2019 campaign in second place in the NFC East at 8-8. Eight and eight, When they, to me, clearly should have been number one in the NFC East. They had the highest net points differential in the entire NFC East at 113. The second highest was the first place Eagles at 31. But they... Had an incredible offense last season. Dak Prescott probably had his best season since his sophomore season and showed what people wanted. And they also had Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and then an incredible offensive line. Now heading into this season, they improved on a lot of things pretty much. They, they killed the draft. They added guys like CeeDee Lamb, the third, who was the third receiver off the board, who I thought had the second best receiver ahead of Henry Ruggs. But incredible steal by the Cowboys. Then they added Trevon Diggs, who's a nice cornerback, but would have liked a late first-round player, who they added. Great player. Uh, added Neville Gallimore, quality player, defensive tackle. And then they added Tyler Biotish, who probably is going to take over for uh, Travis Frederick, since he's gone now. Now, Biotish, Gallimore, Diggs probably won't make a massive impact on the Cowboys' 2020 campaign, just because their rookies... They need to develop still Biotish. Probably is the, Biotish needs to develop. He didn't look as good as he, we thought he was going to be uh, in 2020 or 2019 college season. He had a great 2018 college season, but 2019 was not the same. Gallimore needs to develop more. Trevon Diggs, he's a quality cornerback, but he still needs to work on it a little more. He's a great press coverage corner, long, lanky kind of guy. But the guy who I think everybody is looking to to make a big, big impact on the Cowboys... 2020 campaign is a CD Lamb. And Lamb, it's not just because Lamb is Lamb. He's, a, he's an incredible player. He's very talented, a great rack ability, uh, just a great receiver overall, quality route runner. It can go up and take any ball out of the air he wants to. Physical dude, can get open at most levels. He's a quality player overall, no matter how you slice it. But what's going to make things really interesting is. He's not a receiver who's coming into an offense that doesn't have a number one receiver. You're not putting the whole thing on CeeDee Lamb's shoulders like you are with certain other guys, like uh, Terry McLaurin last year on the uh, Redskins. You were giving CeeDee Lamb a lot to work with already. He already has a quality QB in Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott's a great QB. I think he's quality. Uh, you give him Dak Prescott. You're giving him uh, a quality offensive line with a lot of nice players. You're giving him... Uh, a lot of receivers to work with. That's the biggest thing here is he's getting Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper to play with. So he's not having to be forced to know a number one wide receiver position when he's not ready for it. Granted, I think he could he could still do well if he's the only wide receiver on a team like a Terry McLaren did had to do last year. But 
putting him on a, a team where he has a quality QB already in Dak Prescott, and he has two other receivers to help him out and take kind of take pressure off of him, it's gonna make things a thousand times easier for the Cowboys, a thousand times easier for the Cowboys, and a thousand times easier for CD Lamb. CD Lamb's gonna excel in this offense, especially with Mike McCarthy there, and you got a quality offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore already in Dallas. So you're getting two good coaches, uh, a really good one in Kellen Moore, who I really, really, really like as offensive coordinator. A lot of play action, a lot of motion in his offense. I, I liked what he did in Dallas. Really helped out Dak Prescott, and I think it's a big reason why Dak Prescott had such a good season in Dallas was because of Kellen Moore. But he's not going to have a hard time to make his transition to the NFL that much easier. And then you look at Dak Prescott, what he's getting to work with. He's getting another season under uh, before much in Kellen Moore, getting a better head coach, Mike McCarthy, I think. And then he's getting... Already has Omar Cooper, who has shown that he's in a high-level wide receiver and works well with Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott's numbers are insane with Omar Cooper and without. There's a almost black and white different. Uh, and then you got Michael Gallup, who's quietly turned into the second-best receiver in the 2018 draft class, but just behind Cortland Sutton, who we'll get uh, talk about later. And then he's getting another high-end receiver to CeeDee Lamb. There's a possibility that Dak Prescott, if he remains with Dallas... For the upcoming seasons, he signed the franchise tender and all that this season, so he'd be on the Cowboys for this season at least. But if he remains with Dallas and stays with Dallas, there's a possibility he'll get to, to get to play with two number one quality kind of receivers. Obviously, you got Amari Cooper, who is one of the best route runners in the NFL. I think he's like the third best behind Devonta Adams and Keenan Allen. But that's not an insult to Amari Cooper. Those guys are just those guys are just incredible route runners. Keenan Allen and Devonta Adams are just monsters. So saying you're behind them is not like you suck. It's it's hard to be ahead of these guys. But you got a really high quality route runner and a quite quality receiver in Amari Cooper, and then you have a possibility of getting another high end quality one down in the future, even in the second year, maybe first year, in C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb's a complete monster, and he has potential to be a monster receiver in the NFL in his career, and it could happen probably sooner than later based on talent he showed at Oklahoma. So if Dak plays like a two more years with these guys, it's going to be massive. And even right now, CeeDee Lamb's going to be a quality receiver. Most rookies aren't going to be impacting the NFL, but CD Lamb, with his ability and just his skills overall, he will 100% impact the Dallas Cowboys. And I think the Cowboys are definitely going to be good enough to win the NFC East. I, I, think, I think there's a way they won't. I mean, they should have been much better than what they were last year. They finished 8-8, eight and eight, 113 net points, 3-5 and five on the road. They should have been the number one team. They uh, they just lost a couple of close games here and there, and they just got just not lucky, essentially. But next season, I think they're going to take a massive step forward. I could see them finishing like a 10-6 and 11-5. And they're that good of a team. I think 8-8, eight and eight, which is where they finished last season, is a worst-case scenario for them this coming season. I think 8-8 eight and eight is not realistic. I think they're definitely going to win the NFC East next year, even with an improved Philadelphia Eagles team who got Jalen Rager and really got a lot faster in their receiver group. I don't think Cowboys are that much better. I think they're a high-level offensive team, and they're a quality defensive team still. Next up, we got the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, 
on the AFC West. They finished the uh, 2019 campaign at 7-9. and nine. They, The Denver Broncos were an interesting team. They went through a lot of QBs. They brought in uh, Joe Flacco to start for them. Then they brought in Brandon Allen to take over Joe Flacco because Drew Locke was hurt. Their QB they selected in the previous draft in the second round, I believe. They brought uh, Brandon Allen and then... Drew Locke came in for like the final five games, I believe, and there's like one game where you looked, oh, that's the kind of guy you want running your franchise, and there's a couple, two more were like, eh, not the best, not terrible, not great, and then there's a couple other ones in there like, ooh, we don't want that. But what the Broncos did this offseason was maybe one of the best offseasons this past offseason. The best kind of offseason, you get what I'm saying. They, and the draft, they got Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. These are just major guys. They got other guys. They got uh, Tyreek Cleveland, uh, Justin Strand, and all them. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Lloyd Cushenberry, Natani Muti, and McTelvin Aguim are the main guys I think they got that are quality guys. I can impact. McTelvin Aguim, he's a, I'm not sold on him yet, but I think he could be quality. Natani Muti, if he is healthy, I've raved and ranted about this guy. I love him so much. If he is healthy, keyword if, because he's had like a torn Achilles, he had torn on his frank, he had all this damage to his foot and his ankle, which, not great for offensive linemen. But if he is healthy, if Muti is a healthy player this upcoming season, he, and if somebody gets hurt, or if he gets opportunity, he can be a massive impact player just because of how good he is. He is so physically freaky. It's it's insane. The reason he fell that far in the draft, he fell out of the sixth round in the draft for the Broncos, I believe it was, is because of his injuries. But if he's able to stay healthy, he is going to be a monster on the offensive line for the uh, Broncos. A monster. He's going to move guys off their spot with ease. He's going to forklift them, just get right in their chest and drive them off the spot like nothing. Like nothing. He's just so big, so strong, so athletic, it's not even going to be fair. He's just that good of a player. That physically freaky, that dominant. He, he didn't. He played a good amount at Fresno State, but we didn't get to see a lot of it because of the injuries. But when he did play in the field, it was like, oh my god, this guy's a freak of nature because he's just jack lifting guys and going out of the way and creating so many gaps in the run game and doing just bulldozing guys in the pass game. Did not even his anchor. You're not gonna bull rush him. You are not going to bull rush him. He's, you're not moving him off the spot. He is just so freaky strong. And then another freaky strong guy they got was Lloyd Cushenberry. I think Lloyd Cushenberry is not as good as Tony Moti, in my opinion. He's not as... He doesn't have the high-end potential of just this freaky guy, but he... He's a, another big, just strong, giant dude who probably will start for the Broncos at center. And he's another guy where he's like... You're not going to move him off his spot. He's got a great anchor. He's a monster in run blocking because he's just so physically strong. Here, Good luck avoiding him and good luck shedding him. He's just a giant dude. So they got two quality offensive linemen in the draft. And then the two of my favorite picks for the Broncos, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. We're going to get into Hamler first. Hamler is going to be... A mismatch weapon for the Broncos this year. If they use him right. That's how they should use him in my opinion. Use him as a mismatch, mismatch kind of player. Get him uh, some opportunities against linebackers. Or people who are just slower than him. Because he's going to blaze them. Or use him in like end arounds. Or uh, 
get creative with him. Because he is so freaky athletic, it's not even funny. He is so fast, so quick, so explosive, it's hard just to stay in front of him even. Let alone cover him. He can stretch any defense he wants. He can If you set him up the field, teams are, are taking account for him because one second or one look away and he's beat you on the sideline. He's gone. He beat you from the slot. He is so freaky fast. Freaky, freaky fast. That he's just, it's just so hard to contain. So hard to contain. And then you got Jerry Judy, who was my number one receiver in the uh, 2019 draft. He has maybe the best, we talk about always translating to the NFL. Like, does this guy have the ability to translate to the NFL? Yeah, he dominated in college. But will his skills and will his ability to dominate in college translate to the NFL? You talk about the offensive lineman, oh, he's just an athlete, or defensive lineman, oh, he's just an athlete, or all those kind of guys, or, oh, he's just really fast, he'll get stopped in the NFL, or all this kind of stuff. Will he translate to the NFL? And Jerry Judy, I think, unequivocally has the best traits to translate to the NFL in receivers. He is the, probably the best route runner we've seen in a long time coming out of the college ranks. He, His just freakiness... In his brakes, it's insane. He can just snap out of his brakes like nothing. He can just slam on the brakes. Like, just going can curl out. So he can do all the things you want to do with the receiver. He can do it. He's got a great dead leg. He can snap an in route, snap an out route. He, he's so explosive and so shifty. It's just hard. It was almost impossible for defensive backs in, in college to contain the guy. Because he, he's just so shifty. So explosive. He, he doesn't lose any speed coming out of his brakes. He keeps going like at however fast he wants to go. He just snaps out of it and goes. And it's just almost impossible to take this guy. He's a little on the thin side, tiny bit. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But when you have a guy who's this shifty and this quick and that good of a route runner, it's really, 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 really hard to contain him in college. And you don't need to worry about him translating to the NFL because... That trend to the NFL, being a, a route runner and being really quick and explosive and shifty and all stuff you want in a runner, that works in the NFL. That really works. You don't have to be an elite athlete. Look at Keenan Allen. He's not the greatest athlete in the world by any stretch of imagination. He's a good athlete. You have to be in the NFL, obviously. But where he wins is how Jerry Judy wins, kind of. The dead leg, the shiftiness, the head fakes, all that kind of stuff that to trick cornerbacks and D-backs, that's how Jerry Judy wins. I'm not saying Jerry Judy's going to walk into the league and be Keenan Allen right away, but Jerry Judy has the potential to be a high-end wide receiver in the NFL because of how talented he is. And then you take into account that not only did the Broncos kill the draft, they also killed free agency and trading. They traded for Jarrell Casey, quality defensive lineman. They signed Graham Glasgow, quality offensive lineman. And they trade for A.J. Bouye, quality defensive back. Now, A.J. Bouye is coming in for Chris Harris Jr., who's got a little older, so I'm not exactly sure. Will he be the same guy? But he will be quality in us, I think. I think I'll give him a nice player on the outside. I still think the Broncos should still target a D-back in the next upcoming draft in a cornerback early on. For now, at least, unless something major happens in their defensive group where Michael Ojemudie explodes or Bouye dominates or somebody just comes out of nowhere. 
but for now I think they should target a D-back, so that's the only maybe, maybe major weak spot on that team. But this team is just so good. You look at this receiving core, there is so much potential on this team, for in the receiving core at least. You got Handler, who I just talked about, how he can be like, an absolute weapon and a mismatch nightmare for teams and stretch the field like nobody's business. You got Jerry Judy, who good luck covering him with his head fakes and his dead leg and his explosive shot the routes and his breaks and his just ability to stop on a dime. Good luck covering that. And then you got Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton had a quietly really good season last year. He was an extremely physical, uh, excellent contested catch ability. Could get open as a big guy too. He's not just a throw it up to me, I'll go catch it kind of guy. He's like, I can get open too. He knew how to use his body to win leverage. He knew how to how to use his hands, kind of. He knew how to be physical and use his body to his advantage. And it helped him last year. And he, I think he's probably the best receiver from the 2018 draft class as of now. And when you pair that with Sutton, with Judy and Hamler, and then you look at the tight ends they got in Noah Fant and uh, Albert O from Missouri, this would potentially be a really, 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 really good receiving core. And if Drew Locke can take another step forward this coming season with the extra offseason and knowing that he's probably going to be the starting guy, it's going to be a big help to this Broncos team, and they could potentially... They're not going to win the AFC West. Nobody is besides the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. But the Broncos finished 7-9 and nine last year, and I think they got potential to finish like 9-7, and 10-6 maybe, next year, and compete for a wildcard spot. They're not going to beat the Chiefs. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're going to... Nobody is. But they had to have serious potential to compete for a wildcard spot and win the second place in the AFC West. I think they're going to be better than the Raiders last year, I think even with the Chargers defensive unit that they have, I think they can be better be better than the Chargers. I don't I don't trust Tyler Taylor completely yet. I he had he was quality in Buffalo. Quality in Buffalo. But I don't trust him yet completely and I don't trust Justin Herbert. So I think the Broncos can take a nice step forward into the kind of playoff contention spot. They're seven and nine last year, so they won't compete in career playoff spot. There are teams. But they have potential to be a nice a nice wildcard team next year. Finish like a 9-7 kind of team. 10-6 if they're lucky. Next up we got the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns were, last year, were the team that everybody expected. Even I, I literally wrote two articles on them, how they are going to be the next big playoff team and take over the AFC North. I mean, they had Baker Mayfield, who had a really nice quality rookie year. They added Odell Beckham Jr. They had uh, Olivier Vernon. Miles Garrett was on the roster. Really good player, Matt Scared, obviously. Uh, they have Jarvis Landry, and they have all these players. Everything was set. And they, it, it, it well, that backfire just did not turn out well for them. They finished 6 and 10 on the season last year, third place in the AFC North behind the Steelers and Ravens. Ravens obviously finished number one in the division. But this year, <laughs> I'm probably going to get burned for the end. This year, I think, is a year for the Browns. The one major problem the Browns really, 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 really struggled with last year was protecting Baker Mayfield. Like, they just... They couldn't protect him, it seemed like. Greg Robertson got beat all the time on the outside, and they just... They had nobody on the outside protect Baker Mayfield. But, this past offseason, the Browns, realizing that, they went after Jack Conklin, quality right tackle, quality or technical quick and think you step in right away and be a solid, solid player on the right on the right side of the line for the Browns. Really help out Baker Mayfield and allow a lot less pressure, allow a, a, a lot less sacks, just be a better 
presence on the right side for Baker Mayfield. And then they went out and drafted Jedrick Rills, Alabama, within the, f- the first round pick they had. And Jedrick Wills, maybe not right away because he's transitioning to left tackle, but Jedrick Wills has potential to be a high-end quality offensive tackle, like a top-five offensive tackle in the NFL. He's just a freaky kind of dude, a freaky athletic dude. So when you add those three guys, you're fixing a major problem, and you get Conklin right side, and you get Wills on the left side, and maybe not right away, it's not going to maybe not work right away because you need some time to gel, especially with the rookie left tackle, or if they move Conklin right at left tackle, which I don't see happening, but it, you're going to need time for Wills if he plays left tackle, but they have potential to be actually a quality offensive line again. They used to be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL forever, but they could never find that QB. They always just kind of had Joe Thomas, uh, Alex Mack, all these guys, Joe Batonio, all these dudes who were just freaky good offensive linemen, but they never found the QB. Now I think they finally can get back to their really good offensive line days. Kevin's uh, all these kind of guys they have now. Wills and Conklin added to it. And they also killed the rest. Speaking of Wills, they killed the rest of the draft too. I just got Wills in the first round, but then they add Grant Delpit, which the Browns had a major safety problem. They had nobody there, and they had Grant Delpit, who's probably one of the best safeties in the NFL draft. Extremely rangy, extremely, extremely rangy, very quick, very explosive, can cover a lot of ground very fast. Very fast. And you can play slot as well. You can play a quality slot guy too, if you want him to. I'd keep him as like a rangy kind of free safety, just let him fly around the field, that Mach 10 speed kind of guy. But still, quality, quality, quality safety. And you got Jordan Elliott who can attack the gaps in the defensive tackle position. Quality defensive tackle there. Harrison Bryant, a tight end who you need with new offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski, who we'll get into later. You got Harrison Bryant, who can be quite tight end. And you got Nick Harris, who's a quality center for them, a quality offensive lineman at Washington. And you got him late. He's a steal of pick for them. And then you got new head coach Kevin Stefanski. They got rid of Freddie Kitchens. That was just a train wreck of a team out there with Freddie Kitchens. They brought in Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski who did really good with Kirk Cousins last year. It's like a heavy play action, heavy tight, multiple tight end usage kind of an offense. And they're bringing that over to Cleveland, where the Cleveland added Austin Hooper. A little too much money, but I get where they're coming from. They wanted another tight end to help out with uh, Kevin Stefanski. And they added Harrison Bryant. I think Baker Mayfield's going to really, really, really like playing on Kevin Stefanski because of the heavy play action usage. And it's going to make the offensive linemen make their job even easier. And I think Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield are really going to gel with the heavy play action usage. And I think this is going to be a really, really an improved year for the Browns. They finished 6-10 last year. I could see them, see them taking over the second spot in the AFC North ahead of the Steelers. And I can see them finishing as a 9-7 kind of team, a 10-6 kind of team, similar to the Broncos was competing for a wild card. I don't see them taking over the Ravens spot. No, I don't think the Ravens are going to finish 14-2 and again. But, I think the Ravens probably finish 12-4, and but I don't see them taking over the Ravens. I think the Ravens are too good. They have too good of an offense with Lamar Jackson, too creative. They have too good of a defense in Baltimore. So I think Baltimore probably finish like 12-4, and 13-3. And, and I think Cleveland has potential to be a wildcard team, though. Kind of scrounge off a wildcard. 9-7, 10-6 if they get lucky in the game, similar to the Broncos. Uh, we talked about positivity now and all of these teams take a step forward. But what teams would maybe take a step backwards? First up, we got 
NFC North teams. We'll, for, we'll want actually one of the first NFC North teams. We're going to go with the Chicago Bears to start off with. The Chicago Bears are, they should not have finished where they did last year. They should not have finished as an 8-8 eight eight team. To put it simple, they had Metro Dresky playing a lot of games for them. And I just, it shouldn't happen. The Bears were not a good of a team last year. They were not a 500-level team. They were not a 500-level team. It's just that simple. They, they couldn't be. They were not that level of a team. Somehow they managed to finish that way, though. But this past, this next coming season, if... Not even if Trubisky starts. They're going to finish worse than 8-8, eight eight, to put it simple. They obviously got... They obviously added Nick Foles to this roster. So there's going to be a QB competition between Nick Foles and Trubisky. And I think no matter who wins it, it's not going to be a great QB playing it. QB for the Bears this coming season. Just that simple. Nick Foles is probably better than Trubisky. I think he's the likely one to win the QB situation in the QB competition between the two. But he is very, 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 very volatile. And he doesn't have a lot of good receivers to work with. He's got Anthony Miller, who's okay. And he's got Allen Robinson, who's probably the best receiver on that Bears roster. And actually a quality receiver, I think. He's very underrated. Very, very, very underrated. But it sucks because he's playing with... Had to play with Trubisky for... Quite a few years now. The Bears, besides the addition of Nick Foles, didn't really do much. And they got Robert Quinn, who I think is probably be a quality player for them. I don't know how they're going to fit him into this kind of system. He's like a really good, he could be a good four-three defensive end kind of that's an edge rusher kind of for them there. The next pass rusher is not going to be doing much in the run-stopping kind of game, which is fine. But the Bears usually learn a lot. They're a three-four out of the defense. Be interesting. But they've lost a lot as well. Leonard Floyd is not a major loss. He's kind of a not. He didn't play well for the Buffalo. Buffalo, excuse me. He didn't play well for the Bears. Uh, and they lost Prince Mukamara. Not a great cornerback, but a quality one. He's a good one. He'll do. He's average. Which losing that kind of a cornerback, not the best. And then they lost Taylor Gabriel, who's a nice deep threat, very quick kind of guy. Not again. Not a huge loss. When you add all three together, that's quality. That's like a. It's a decent loss right there for them. And they had some decent picks in the draft and Cole Komet. He probably won't make an impact in his first year or two because that's how a tight end position goes. You don't make an impact usually. It's just how it goes. And then they got Jalen Johnson. I actually like Jalen Johnson. He's, I think he's a good cornerback and he got nice playmaking ability. But besides that, they didn't do much to help out the Bears roster. They didn't add a lot of guys. They didn't sign any major players. They signed a bunch of tight ends. Jimmy Graham, yada, yada, yada. They lost... Uh, Haha, Clinton Dix. Not a major loss for them there, but nonetheless. But unless this Bears team improved their roster this past offseason, which they did not, I didn't think there was a way they were going to finish 8-8. Eight eight. I think at best, they finished 7-9. and nine. That's at the very, 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 very best. But I think they'll probably finish because of the 6-10, 5-11 team. They're definitely going to take a, a few steps a step backward, no matter who's playing keeper for them, whether it be Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. Next up, we got another NFC team in the Los Angeles Rams. It feels like it feels like forever ago when the Rams were just dominating the NFC West and dominating the NFL, and the Rams were the next great team with Jerry Goff and Sean McVay. 
But now, it seems like everything's kind of falling apart. They've traded for Jalen Ramsey, who's he's a really quality cornerback, I think, for them. But they traded away a lot to get him. I think it's really going to cripple them in the future. They didn't have a great draft either. They had Cam Akers in the second round. I mean, I, I'm not shocked that they took him there. Because of Sean McVay and his fondness of running backs, it seems like. And they lost Todd Gurley. I would definitely not have taken Cam Akers there. It's not against Cam Akers. It's just that he's running back and he doesn't impact the game a whole lot. And they got Van Jefferson, quality receiver. I'm not sure if make a major impact in his first season. I'm not sure if he'll be a high receiver because he's an older dude already. He's like 24, 23 years old. He's a pure route runner. Not, and he's not kind of a Jerry Judy route runner either. He's a really good route runner. Not Jerry Judy route runner. He's not an athletic athletic player like Jerry Judy. He's a decent athlete. Terrell Lewis, decent. Burgess, Terrell Burgess, decent. Resident Hopkins, a quality tight end. Jordan Thriller, Clayton Johnson, Sam Solomon, Tremaine Acum. Not really anything that's be happy about. Be cool, like, oh my god, really? This is really great about. It's just decent at best. Maybe Van Jefferson hits. Maybe Terrell Lewis hits. Maybe Preston Hopkins hits. But nobody that you're like, that was a really nice pick. Nobody in the draft is an okay draft at best. Free agency signing, they signed Leonard Floyd from the Bears, who, again, I talked about the Bears. Not a great player. But if you combine if you got a bunch of signs, like a bunch of Leonard Floyd type signings or like a bunch of flyers, then I could get behind it. But it was just Leonard Floyd and Ashawn Robinson. Those are the two main things I had who might make an impact in the Ram season. Ashawn Robinson, a quality of tackle. Quality of tackle would be nice alongside Aaron Donald, obviously. Aaron Donald's the best NFL player right now. But it's not a major addition for the Rams and nothing to be really impactful. They didn't fix anything in the uh, draft. No major offensive lineman they added. I mean, I'm assuming they had to believe in their current offensive lineman or they wouldn't have not drafted them, essentially. I mean, they had Tremaine Acum out of Clemson. He's a late pick, so there's a long shot to develop into anything. But, I mean, besides that, not a lot to be had by the draft. They lost Q players, too. So if anything, they got worse. They lost Dante Fowler Jr., quality edge rusher. Corey Littleton, one of the better linebackers in the NFL, extremely good in coverage. Extremely good in coverage. One of probably more valuable linebackers because of based on his coverage ability. And that's Brandon Cooks, who's maybe their best receiver on the team. Maybe behind Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Major loss in there. And they didn't replace him with anybody major besides Van Jefferson, who was not the player Brandon Cooks will be this coming year. The Rams finished uh, in third place in the NFC West, but with a winning record. So they had the Rams, 49ers, first place at 13-3, Seahawks 11-5, second place, and then the Rams at 9-7 in third place. And I really don't see the Rams doing any better than they did last year. They're going to finish at best 500. Jerry Goff takes a step forward, which I don't see happening. I bet you finish 500. Probably realistically realistically probably flip this 9-7 to 7-9 is where I think they're going to finish. I don't think they're going to finish above 500. 6-10, 7-9 record I can see happening for the Rams this year. They're definitely taking a step backwards. They didn't do anything this past offseason besides get worse. Now we're going to talk about my favorite team in the NFL. Genuine favorite team in the NFL, but just frustrate the hell out of me. I talk about them constantly as Green Bay Packers. I love the Packers. 
favorite team, but what they did this past offseason is a, is a bit of a head-scratcher to me. And I, mean, I, I can see them, they're probably preparing for next offseason when they have to probably pay guys like Kevin King, Boxyar is going to be done soon, Kevin Clark's, Kenny Clark's going to be done soon, so they got to pay these guys, but the draft and free agency was nothing to be right home about, especially after the season they had last year. The Packers finished 13-3 and last year, but they had the second lowest run different or net point differential in the NFC North behind the Vikings. Vikings finished 104, Packers finished 63. And the Packers also finished with the third lowest point differential for any division winner in the NFL. Only behind the Eagles, who finished with 31 net points compared to the Packers 63, and the Texans, who finished at negative 7 uh, compared to the Packers 63. This Packers team, I think, guys got really lucky, to be honest with you. To be very honest, they got really, 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 really lucky. They finished 8-1 in one score game, so point by 8 points. 8-1. 8-1. There's no way they're going to finish that type of record next year. The odds of, of that happening again is just... It's very, very, very unlikely to happen again. Very unlikely. And they barely beat the, the Lions. They beat, I think they beat the Lions in both games by game winners. Game-winning field goals. So they weren't even leading for the entire game until the game-winning field goal. And the second game that was very close they had a win by was against David Blau. Because Max Devery got hurt and could not play. David Blau, they had a beat on a game-winning field goal. Against the Lions. Who's the best player is Kenny Galladay. Who's not even the best receiver in his own division? Maybe it's at, depending on who you ask, he's the third best behind Adams and Adam Thielen. I'd probably put him second, tied for second with Thielen, but I wouldn't argue with you if you said he's the third best. Here are Freaky Dave Blau. Here are the QBs the Packers played last season. Just to give you a comparison. Actually, you know what? We'll talk about the Packers' moves they made this offseason. They added Christian Kirksey, a linebacker. Decent, really, 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 really injury prone, but he's potentially something decent at least. And then they added Rick Wagner, right tackle, to replace Brian Blaga. Blaga's just. Blaga's like a second tier right tackle. Wagner's like a fifth tier right tackle, to put it simply. Brandon Thorne, uh, a really, really, really smart offensive lineman uh, Twitter guy and just a really smart person overall in football, but between had Wagner because like, of near bottom tier right tackle and there was times where Rick Wagner was a quality player for the Lions which is where the Packers got him from he was a quality player nothing special but he got the job done for the Lions but as he ages he hasn't gotten better he's, he's gotten worse and worse in his past he's probably one of those worst ones in the NFL and the draft wasn't anything special either definitely nothing right home about they added a QB and Jordan Love who I'm not a huge fan of personally they added a running back in A.J. Dillon. Not a fan of personally. I would not, definitely not take him in the second round. They added a fullback slash H-back slash tight end in Josiah Duguera. And then they added just a bunch of offensive linemen. They added a linebacker, Kamal Martin, who I had probably my favorite pick of the whole draft for them. Quality athlete. Do a little of this, little of that kind of guy. They had John Runyon. Decent. 
Jake Hansen, decent. Simon Stepniak, decent. Vernon Scottley, and then finish off with Jonathan Garvin. Fine if you want to take on Fleming. I'm, I'm not upset about that. You need to develop him. I wouldn't mind a John Runyon. I actually thought he was a quality player. But why you need to take three? I talked about this with uh, Marcus Whitman, that franchise guy. We talked about the Packers a little bit before we talked about Madden. He said, why do you need to take three offensive linemen? And I couldn't agree with him more. You couldn't have gotten a receiver. You couldn't have gotten like a Tyler Johnson kind of guy. You couldn't have just thrown a, a flyer at the board at least. The Packers' biggest weakness probably this past season was a receiver. A second receiver besides Dante Adams. Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the NFL right now. But he had nobody else besides him. And Lazard was like okay games. Spotty kind of, but okay games. And they had nothing. They had Devin Funches. But last we saw of him, he wasn't much. He's just a big physical dude. He's not a get-open kind of dude. Now we're going to talk about who the Packers played last year. Just to show you the difference between last year, who they played, and this year, who they're going to play. The Packers played Mitchell Trubisky twice. Kirk Cousins twice, obviously, in the division. Then they played Joe Flacco. Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott. Matt Stafford. Derek Carr. Matt Moore against the Chiefs. They didn't play against Patrick Mahomes against the Chiefs. Mahomes hurt his ankle, so he wasn't there for that game. Phillip Rivers. Kyle Allen. Jimmy Garoppolo. Daniel Jones. Dwayne Haskins. And they finished it off with a really, 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 really close game against David Blau. That's who they played last year. The best one of those probably would be Prescott or Wentz. At best. Maybe maybe Jimmy G. Matt Phillips is not what he was anymore. I love Phil Rivers. I think he is a quality player. I think he'll be okay for the Colts. I think he'll be like a nice kind of a transitional kind of QB over for them. Just kind of a win in a couple of games. Then the get a, he'll get a new guy in the draft. But last year he was not what he was. He used to be. He used to be a really quality guy, but he's okay at best now, I think. But that And then they played just, just nobodies besides that. They played... I mean, as we talked about Wentz and Prescott, and Jimmy G maybe was probably the best one of them three, but of all of them. But they played just nobodies and just guys who shouldn't maybe even be starters in NFL games or they're just rookies. They played Flacco was brutal. Uh, Matt Moore, one of the better backups, but definitely shouldn't be starting. Kyle Allen, rough. Daniel Jones, to me, rough. Dwayne Haskins, still... Playing better later in the season, but still not as good yet. And David Blau, rough. It, guys who you shouldn't be... You should, you should be dominating. And the Packers did. They dominated him. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, David Blau. He, they, the game finished 23-20 for the Packers on a game-winning field goal. And then against David Dwayne Haskins, they finished 20-15. Uh, beat the Giants pretty handily. Panthers game was a one-score game, eight-point game. Chargers got their, they got beat actually. Chiefs game was a seven point game. Gets Matt Moore. These games should not be that close. So I was wrong even that they dominated them. They were actually close games. This is what I'm worried about. And then let's look at who they play next year in terms of QBs. 
So I already said who we played last season. Cousins and Cousins, Trubisky, Matt Moore, Flacco, Wentz, Prescott, Stafford, Rivers, Allen, Jimmy G, Daniel Jones, Haskins, and David Blau. That's who they played last year. Those are the teams who played last year. Now looking ahead of this year, these are who they'll play this coming year. Obviously, some of these I had a kind of... I'm projecting the future. Obviously, something could happen. Some guy could tear his ACL. God forbid if you want that to happen, but these are who the projected starters are they're playing next year. Obviously, they're playing Cousins twice. Obviously, they're playing Stafford twice. And obviously, they're playing Foles twice. Division players. I'm saying Foles over Trubisky because I think he's a better QB. They also got to play Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Jamie G, Gardner Minshew, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Tate Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill. All of these QBs that they're facing, outside of like Foles and maybe Gardner Minshew and Tate Bridgewater, are going to be tough on them. Maybe Philip Rivers too. They can be tough on them. Stafford probably will be tough on them in Detroit. Cousins will probably be tough on them in, in Minnesota. Drew Brees will 100% be tough on them. Matt Ryan will be a tough game for them. Deshaun Watson will be a tough game for them. Tom Brady will be a tough game for them. Jimmy G will be a tough game for them. Carson Wentz will be a tough game for them. Teddy Bridgewater will be a tough game for them. Kind of. Probably not, actually. Teddy Bridgewater is actually one guy. He probably won't be a tough game for them. And then Ryan Tannehill will be a tough game for them. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. At least tough game for them. Nine tough games for them. Drew Brees they could easily lose to. They could easily lose to Matt Ryan and the Falcons. They could easily lose to the Texans and Deshaun Watson. Easily lose to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Easily lose to 49ers and Jimmy G. Easily lose to Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Easily lose to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. It is going to be hard on the Packers defense next year. Very hard. And I love Zadarius Smith, and I love Preston Smith, and I love Jerry Alexander, and I love Adrian Amos, and I love all of these guys. I think they're all quality players. But when you're facing offenses of this caliber, I mean, Matt Ryan has Julio Jones and Kelvin Ridley to work with. Drew Brees has Michael Thomas to work with. Sean Watson's got, he, he lost DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to have Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, all these dudes. Uh, Kenny Stills to work with, a lot of deep threats. Tom Brady's going to have Gronk, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin to work with. Jimmy G is going to have Kyle Shanahan to work with, along with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Wenger's got a revitalized receiving core. Ryan Tannehill is actually quality now. He's got A.J. Brown to work with, too. And a quality off line. This is going to be really, 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 really tough on the Packers this coming year. Now, do I think the Packers are going to just fall off the face of the earth? No. I don't think that's going to happen because I think they actually have a decent offense. I think they have a, they, have a, they actually do have a good defense. I, I railed on them this past thing with a QB thing, but I think they have a quality defense. I think they actually will be able to keep them afloat. I think the Packers this coming season are probably going to finish with 9-7. 9-7. There's a possibility they could finish at 10-6, 11-5 maybe, but 9-7 is a realistic kind of thing for the Packers. And I don't think they'll win the division. I think it's going to be tough to win the division against the Vikings. Vikings did lose to Fon Diggs. 
they lost a, they're play, putting a lot of rookie cornerbacks out there with Jeff Gladney and uh, Cameron Dantzler. But they're going to have to really, really, really compete with the Vikings for the number one in the division for the NFC North. Because they got really lucky this past year with the close games. They got really lucky with an easy QB schedule this past year. And then now they're the pace of really, really hard schedule. Especially looking at the QBs. It's going to be a tough year for the Packers. Tough year. And it's going to be a lot to be... To me, let's deal with it for the Packers. I think it's going to be 9-7. It's a fair record for the Packers. Maybe a lot of time missing. Maybe five, I don't think 500. 9-7. Definitely going to take a step backwards. That's all for the podcast today, guys. So we didn't talk about a lot. Oh, we got the uh, NFL COVID thing. I mean, it just doesn't shock me. I think the NFL is going to play football no matter what. I think Roger Goodell somehow is going to get it done, whether it's going to be right or wrong in the way he does it. I think he's going to get it done. I'm not saying if he did, if, the, if the way he's going to do it, I'm not saying it's going to be the right way he's going to do it or the wrong way. I think he's going to get it done, though, either way. And the Washington Redskins changed their team into the Washington full team. They could have done better, but whatever. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Follow me on Twitter at LucasShoe2. Follow the podcast at Pod, both on Twitter uh, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to DM me or the podcast account. We, I'd be more than happy to get another guest on here. I'm looking for more guests. But once again, thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. See you later.